Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Military Medicine Podcast. This signals our six-month anniversary and we're hoping to capture some feedback from you to make sure we continue to improve the podcast. We'd be over the moon if you sent any constructive comments to militarymedicinepodcast at gmail.com or on our Twitter. Alternatively, fill in the survey which will be pinned to the top of our Twitter from next week. This month we interviewed Lieutenant Colonel Norman Jones and Dr Dan Lightley. Norman's a very experienced mental health nurse and has won the Royal Red Cross and an MBE for his significant work in military mental health research. Dan is a computer science graduate and a keen amateur cyclist with a PhD in artificial intelligence. They both work at the King Centre for Military Health Research and have recently developed a mobile app called Index, which aims to reduce harmful alcohol consumption in ex-serving personnel. Just a few months ago, they conducted a feasibility study with 30 patients using the app with some very promising results. So mHealth is the discipline of using mobile technologies such as phone apps to deliver healthcare and is a rapidly growing discipline. There's now over 325,000 healthcare apps available. We hope that this interview gives you an insight into how a high-quality healthcare app is thoughtfully developed, what the opportunities and challenges are that accompany that process, and perhaps broadens your horizons as to whether healthcare apps might suit your profession. We hope you enjoy it. So over to you, Lieutenant Colonel Jones. I, I presume with the Index app, uh, this is your first foray into the M Health world. It is. With all of your experience behind you and many different treatment modalities in psychiatry over your career, where do you think M Health ranks? Is it a minefield, uh, a gimmick, useful in certain situations, or or revolutionary? Uh, I think it is revolutionary, okay. but I think it it does have limitations. Yeah, and I think it has to be seen alongside human interface really yeah um that there are situations where you're probably going to need a therapist at some point yeah. uh, to deal with the mental health problem uh, and it, it maybe can't be automated so i think it, it sits alongside the uh, the human being really. yeah so it's an adjunct not a complete replacement I think the two are symbiotic. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. And so coming on to the, the Index app itself, can you just define the problem that was to, to be solved? Yes. So we know for sure that uh, military personnel, one of the biggest challenges they face uh, in mental and behavioural health is alcohol misuse. Uh, we've always known this, uh, but it tends to be punted into the background when people start to think about PTSD, which is very important, but not one of our major problems. So when we've looked at this and tried to establish the care pathways for the various mental health conditions, the one thing that hits you in the face is that, A, people don't recognise that they have an alcohol problem, which, yeah. which is a difficulty in itself, so why should they engage with therapy? We know that therapies have a somewhat limited effect. Um, and that a very comprehensive alcohol intervention is probably no better than a relatively brief one. So there are limitations there. And, and the outcomes overall are, are not particularly great. So we have a problem with engagement, we have a problem with effectiveness, uh, and um, we have a problem with recognition. And I think if you look at those difficulties alongside a, an electronic application, all of those can be addressed in a remote way, which doesn't require you walking into a medical centre and declaring a problem, 
uh, or being picked up on a screening program or a case finding program or any of these things. So I think it, it, it is very definitely it has a very particular use. Uh, and I think we recognised that and thought that it could fill some of the void in our in our current approach. That's fascinating. So just drilling down into those points a little bit more, the M Health intervention, the index app, do you think the key output of that is um, about increasing reach or increasing effectiveness of the intervention? I, I think it has to be both, yeah, doesn't okay. it? Yeah, um, I, I think reach is definitely... It, it, it probably trumps effectiveness and, 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 and therapy, to be honest, because most people are not engaged. That's the difficulty. So I think that, that could be its, 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 key, its key area of impact. But then if we can make uh, an application which follows on from somebody engaging and it's effective, then job done. Brilliant. So over, over to you, Dan. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about specifically what Index is, what you've created, and, and what are the unique benefits of mHealth does it highlight? Yeah, so Index is uh, an app that we developed at the King Centre for Military Health Research um, that is be able to be delivered through either an Android or iPhone. And the ultimate premise of Index is to make people aware of what they are drinking and the impact that it has on their everyday life. Mm. So at the moment, Index is very much targeted towards a, a veteran population. Um, and we are hoping to refine that later on. But ultimately, Index is about empowering people to be aware of what they're drinking and be able to make them um, change their behaviours. Brilliant. And, and can you take us through, uh, let's say I was a, an ex-serving person who, who wanted to use this app. Can you take me through my actual journey in, in, in practicality sense? Yeah, so ultimately someone is able just to download it from either the Android or iOS app store. And once they've downloaded um, the Index app, um, they just do a normal, simple registration process, very simple, providing a few um, basic details. And this is just to allow us to identify their, who they are, but also to be able to store that data. And then we just ask them a range of very basic questions about their mental health and how much alcohol they drink. And with that information, we use that to try and personalize and customize index to them as an individual. So we really try not to treat people as groups. So we don't say, these are all male, we know that they drink high volumes of alcohol. We, we, okay, this person is male, he's within this age bracket, this is his rank. And then the content of the app and the messaging that they receive changes based on the questions that they provide during registration process. And we find that's really important to try and tailor the intervention, but also we think it's more meaningful to them as individuals, this whole idea of approaching personalised healthcare. Yeah. Um, and as they... So once they've completed that questionnaire, they then can use the app itself so they can log drinks. They'll receive supportive messaging each day as they use the app. So that will either be through text messages or through actual push notifications. And every now and then the app will then ask, how are you doing? Really brief questions about how, how is your mood? How is your mental health? And can the app then, the app then learns based on those responses, how you're doing and then changes how it interacts with you over the weeks and months that you use the app. But it also goes a little bit further and also provides things such as how you compare to your peers, both yes. within ah, a military okay. context and a civilian context. So we provide those metrics. And I think we talked touched on it a little bit earlier. We know that those, especially within the military, don't necessarily trust the public health no. messages that no. are being disseminated. 
So we really tried with Index to convert those messages into um, infographics. So actually not blocks of text, but can we actually use other um, depictions to be able to drive change that is meaningful. So things like burgers, exercise, um, and we found that to be really effective in changing behaviours and attitudes towards alcohol. Now, I've had a, a little go on the app, and, and I implore our listeners to have a look at your website, which can easily be found through through Google. And one of the, the things that the user interface is fantastic, it's very intuitive to use, but one of the other things I wanted to drill into was the, the tagline for the app, um, which is feel better and save money by drinking less alcohol. Now, I think this is really interesting as it gets to the heart of the problem that healthcare professionals sometimes ignore. Um, the example being that uh, we may tell an alcoholic um, that they might get liver disease and this will cause a horrible death. Mm. But is it actually more motivating to them if we explain the short-term financial benefits of drinking less alcohol or, or even the number of burgers the calorie equivalents is? Yeah, well, th this is the same as in any sort of health intervention, really, isn't it? That if you have a delayed outcome, which is you know, maybe sometimes years, decades down line, people will just... Put that out of their mind and say well that doesn't affect me at the moment it's not relevant it's simply not relevant so i'm not going to change my behavior whereas if you can provide real-time feedback uh, which has real world outcomes attached to it then i think you've got a much better chance of success so cigarette packets now have a picture of someone's gammy lungs and smoking causes cancer on would there be better place to write on there this is a waste of eight pounds you could otherwise spend on something more useful. Yes, I, I think that's probably true, isn't it? Because even if it's converted to, uh, you know, a, a, a fairly horrible picture, it, it's still a delayed outcome which you can minimise. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So during development of Index, we were really keen to use both an agile approach and also a co-design approach. So we, in lockstep with the two, we had veterans who had a drinking problem. So we knew that they were drinking more than they should be and we would go back with versions of Index to show them how Index um, worked and they provided feedback on features, functionality, design and as they provided feedback we modified the app but it was during this process where people were talking about the reasons that they could see the app, what was the value proposition to them for using Index and that's where the tagline ultimately came from, was from those focus groups with what they were telling us. And I think that's really important because it was a tagline that was relatable, personable to them. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think um, that's really useful for our listeners who may be thinking about developing apps, this co-design principle that actually the users know their problem and the solution better than you do uh, a lot of the time. On that similar vein, sort of talking about sort of practical advice for, for our listeners, what are the practical problems with actually um, using an app to deliver this sort of intervention? Costs. So we know that app development is incredibly expensive, time-consuming, mm. and to do it correctly as well, you have to spend that time and that investment. Um, but there are also, kind of like for us, we've always thought about practical problems with index, with things such as how do we ensure that we don't isolate users? How do we ensure that we don't dehumanise treatment pathways? So these are other problems that we're really trying to think mm. about. And these are the more practical problems of if someone is using our app or a app, what, are we potentially limiting their treatment pathways? So it's also how do we overcome that barrier in a practical sense? And that's something that we're thinking about. 
and, and the, another kind of key part of this is is overcoming mistrust as well because most people are very very concerned about data security and of course you know if you don't have somebody standing there in front of you reassuring you that all is going to be well you have to trust yourself to a, um, you know an electronic device yeah and so part of index is to try to get people over that hurdle very early on so um, trying to you know, reassure them in a realistic way that their data is going to be protected and secure. I think this is probably a key point that a lot of our listeners who perhaps are at an early stage of their journey with perhaps developing apps and things perhaps might not know much about. Can you outline very briefly what GDPR means and what non-compliance with GDPR might mean to an institution? So ultimately, GDPR operate is promoting a way of best practice. So it's how you store, manage, and process data that you yeah. collect on an everyday basis. So ultimately, the premise is we should only collect data that we actually need to collect and that we should actually need to process in a way to do our everyday jobs. And if we don't follow the general data protection regulations, we could be fined up to 20 million euros. Um, and there is both a organisational and an individual responsibility. Uh, a recent thing was uh, HIV results were being CC'd to 200 people so everyone could see what everyone else's diagnosis results were. That would be a breach of the regulations and then there would be a penalty imposed. But ultimately, it's co- like we, we know that common sense is not necessarily common, but it's just a case of... <laughs> treating people's data with respect and when we think about personal identifiers so gender um, political viewpoints these are incredibly sensitive pieces of information that we should store securely and we shouldn't just bandle them around or store them on a piece of paper um with regards to longevity of the intervention through index uh, one of our twitter followers dr kate king asked uh, many people start using mhealth apps with zeal but how do we tackle the drop-off in use as people forget to track, uh, lose motivation and don't want to see their bad habit recorded, perhaps? Uh, I think for, for us, personalisation is key. So we found that to maintain adherence and engagement, yeah. personalising the app to the individual has been key. So in the, the, the feasibility study that we've completed so far, um, adherence is high. Yeah. So for the 28 days that we asked people to use the app, only one person didn't use it for 28 days. And, and, and while we can discuss what we mean by adherence for those weeks, ultimately, everyone logged a drink every single week except one person. Everyone was engaged, they were, and the reasons that they were engaged was because it was personalized to them, it meant something to them, it gave them messages that they wanted to hear, but also it helped them raise an awareness of their drinking. But we've got to remember, um, a lot of the stuff that we do, um, with, with alcohol, it's not necessarily just about the individual, it's also family and friends who are also encouraging them and supporting them along the way. Yeah. So we're not wanting to isolate their use of index, so we remind them in messaging that they need to consider their partner or their children or mm. um, a friend who may be able to support them. So we ask questions such as, who are you drinking with? Where are you drinking? And then we can then further refine the intervention to try and personalise it even more. And there is a big trade-off, of course, because the, the last thing you want to do is start hectoring or badgering people, uh, even if that be electronically. Um, so you have to consider what the impact is of sending somebody a message, the frequency with which you send yeah. the content. So it needs to be very carefully thought through. Um, and, and again, I, I think this is where involving the users in the development of, of the app has been pretty key, really. So before we move on, on to sort of... Um 
talking about a framework for developing mHealth apps. Uh, I thought it'd be really interesting to just close this section off about Index by talking about what, what your headline results were, because I implore read, uh, listeners to, to actually read the paper, um, but, but what would your headline figures out of it be? And not, and not just the success of the app, but what are the, what are the wider implications of it too. So this was, the first stage was a feasibility to study, study, just to simply assess, can we use an mHealth app to manage alcohol misuse in veterans? And ultimately the headline statistic is not necessarily statistic, it's just simply it worked. Hmm. We've shown from the data that we've got that it has worked. And what we found really interesting, really surprising, was the changes in behavior that we observed from week one to week four. Um, people were still, were still using the app the same throughout the entire period, they're still drinking the same amount of pints or, or whatever, but what they're drinking changes. So they've changed what they're drinking over the period of time in terms of instead of having uh, a lager, they're having a shandy, so they're reducing the strength of the alcohol. So we from week one, the, well, the medium value was about 22 units a week, whereas in week four it was about 15 units a week. But the value of drinks across the weeks was the same so it, it suggests to us that that change in behavior is actually what there is a change in behavior and the app is actually working yeah and then um, our, our mutual boss uh, professor simon wesley always says that we in the military don't recruit um, chess playing choir boys um and you know we recruit people who are willing to take risks and do yeah. indulge in some in some hazardous practices and and so therefore if we can achieve uh, incremental change in their alcohol use, then that, that has to be a good thing. And we did have some evidence within the app that that, that was happening, so that's good. That's fantastic. Th thanks for that. Moving on to um, our next section, sort of a framework for developing mHealth apps. So speaking more broadly about this, you've already alluded to the fact that there is a lot of competition in this growing space. Uh, there's over 300,000 healthcare apps available to download. Not all of them have reached the same levels of sort of regulatory rigor that perhaps you've gone through, but certainly there are a lot out there. And there will be a lot of our listeners thinking that they want to build an app because they've got an application that they can think of for an app to solve. Dan, what do you think are the key component skills and hurdles to deliver a legal, workable mHealth app? And, I'm, and what I'm really hoping for you to tell us here is rough ballpark figure of money, hours, <laughs> how many regulatory hurdles, just how hard it is, or easy it is. Um, ultimately, anyone can build an app. So we know that all it takes is time. So we know that there are many like open source solutions out there that people can utilize to develop their own app. It just takes time for them to be able to learn the skills to be able to do that. So, so I think that um, one, one particularly important part, and it's quite time consuming, is getting some ethical oversight on, on what you're doing. Um, so, so we, you know, any study like this, because we're a research department, we would always submit it for ethical approval. Now if you're not working in our area you might not even consider that mm. but I think it is enormously beneficial because although it's a painful process you get good critical feedback about things that you can and can't do with the app, um, things that you might consider changing and modifying and, and other areas for inclusion and, and whether you know what you're actually doing is ethical. Yeah. Uh, so so that, that component I think it is, although painful, is, is actually very very valuable. I think the core um, when developing an app, and, and we always start with this, is what is the evidence base? Mm -hmm. What is yeah. the 
rationale for creating this app. So it's taking a look at what already exists mm. and then simply doing a comparison and analyzing what already exists, what are their flaws, what what is the unmet need that those apps aren't serving, yes. and how can that unmet need be addressed by what you're proposing. So to give an example, colleagues from University College London uh, did a review of apps that looked at managing alcohol misuse, so very similar to Index. Uh, and they found about only 10% of the 700 apps that currently exist within the app stores um, actually had any evidence base at all. And that's, in terms of a selling point when we're trying to engage users, it's not just about, look how fancy and glossy this is, but actually you want to be able to give something meaningful and say, we've actually shown that this does actually make a meaningful change, and here's our evidence to show that. And that then builds up that, that, you know, that brand. And can you touch a little bit on Agile sort of methods for development. I think we've already talked about the criticality of user engagement. Lieutenant Colonel Jones, you were talking about just that just then. Agile may be a new concept some of our listeners. Can you touch yes. on that a little bit, Dan? So Agile's been used, a, it can be used in a lot of domains, but in this context, it's a software term. And when we think about Agile, we're ultimately talking about an iterative approach. So in Agile, we, we operate in a, and there are many different ways of operating Agile, but we operate Agile as a two-week sprint. And what that means is in a two-week period, in an Agile framework, we develop a feature within mm. that two weeks, we then get stakeholders, so these are members of the team to test that feature, and then once they've tested it, we then get um, our co-design group to then test the app as well. So in that two weeks, we develop a feature, bring it up to testing, have it tested by both groups, and then if we're happy, we sign off on that feature. Mm -hmm. If we're not happy, we re-repeat the sprint, and then we address the concerns that they, that they brought forward, and then we've got a feature developed in a rapid amount of time. And that's ultimately what Agile is, it's about an iterative approach, but it's also about rapid development. Um, and we see that a lot now, a lot of organizations are using an Agile approach to be able to develop apps quickly, but also develop apps that are reactionary, that take in user feedback at every stage of the development process. So at the core component of Agile is the user and that user's input in how the features functionality work. And I just want to now sort of talk a little bit about, with, with M Health, um, the role of clinician oversight. Obviously, in, in Index, Lieutenant Colonel Jones, you have uh, clinical scores, the PHQ-9 uh, for depression and things in there. Uh, what is the role of clinician oversight looking at these scores and other things from the app, and is it imperative in M Health apps? Yeah, so Index operated in, um, we had... Um, a rule-based approach, so we had triggers that were predefined based on our clinical risk protocol, where if certain uh, behaviours or patterns were observed, a clinician was notified, which in this case was Norman, mm. uh, to then reach out to the person. So this was to enable us to deliver at scale and also to ma maintain a level of privacy for the user. So the system was designed that no one could go through and look at everyone's input. Um, there were rules sitting in the background that would assess, such as if someone scored high for depression, um, but then also scored um, high for the audit, and then their behaviour showed a pattern that they were consuming large amounts of alcohol on a daily basis, a trigger would be hit and then the clinician would then be notified, asking them to get in touch with the user to offer them some support or mm. signposting to other treatment pathways. Brilliant. Um, I've had an absolutely fascinating time interviewing you both. Thanks so much for your time. We finish off the podcast with um, 
a bit of light-hearted fun uh, section called the Quick Fire Five. So five questions, quick fire, and you're only allowed to give one word answers. So we'll take it in turns, if that's okay. Um, so we'll start with you, Lieutenant Colonel Jones, if that's okay. So first up, is age a barrier to uptake of digital interventions? Personally, yes. Okay. <laughs> Dan? No. <laughs> uh, and this one's to you, Dan. So, who knows more about me, my mum or my phone? Phone. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Jones, what is the single most effective way to motivate myself to drink less alcohol when military culture often encourages social drinking? Budget. Dan? GDPR, best thing to happen to personal data protection or just a gigantic hurdle to mHealth innovation? Problematic. <laughs> Brilliant. And finally, and you can both answer this one and you're allowed more than one word if you need. Um, what is the key resource that our listeners should consult today should they wish to learn more about the topics we've discussed? So if, if you go to the uh, KCMHR website, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a whole raft of information on there about military mental health. Uh, not just the index, but lots of other things too. Brilliant. And I personally implore all of our listeners to have a look at the index app uh, and read the paper on it to the feasibility study. Um, thank you very much, Lieutenant Colonel Jones and Dr. Dan Lately, for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed that. Don't forget to reflect on the episode for your CPD and let us know what you think through Twitter or our email.